Welcome to Plato's Gravity, a homebrew podcast. This is Aaron. And my video's still not taking. That's fine. Who are you? Oh, shit. Uh, I'm Jason, and I'm bad at phones. And we are excited to welcome Jake McCann of Jake's Brewhouse to the show today. Jake has a gold medal for an IPA in the 2017 Cascade Brewers Cup, where he took several other medals for the IPA category and a bronze for a Schwartz beer. And he is currently in the process of building a new home that will feature a one-barrel brew house in a 14-by-34-foot space. Jake, we're excited to have you on the show today to talk about that. Right on. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. And we start every show by sharing a beer. Jake chose the beer today. He chose Stone Ripper for us to drink. Jake, why did you choose the Ripper? Well, you know, I saw it in the store the other day, and I was like, you know, I got to try this. I love Stone beer, so mm-hmm. I hadn't tried the Ripper yet. Um, I grabbed a six-pack of it, and... And popped one open, and I was quite surprised and pleasant with the beer, especially for a pale ale. Yeah, it's got a really, really big nose on it. It smells juicy and it delicious. Does. The nose is huge. Like, I don't know. The the, the flavor for me is kind of, um, it's more subtle, I guess, than I was expecting. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's got a good nose to it. And, that, and you know, that's, that's kind of telling me that, you know, as far as their hop schedule goes, mm. it's, they're doing a lot of late hops in this, in this pale I felt like it smells like an IPA and tastes like a pale ale. It's really yeah. clean. It's a, it's a, for me, it's a drinker. Like I could, I could sit down and probably exactly. go, go through that, go through that six pack. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy it a lot and, you know, and that's the second six pack I've bought in the last couple of weeks. So, uh, it's got good, it's got good, you know, balance between the malty body and yeah. you can still get some of that sweetness there and it's, and it finishes off well with the hops and, it's just kind of like you said, easy drinking beer. You can kind of plow through a six pack and not not realize it and not get not get fatigued. Yeah, it's not too it's not too bitter, and then it doesn't have like a it's not like crushing you with malt flavor either. It's just real it's kind of subtle right. for both. And like I uh, yep. I was telling Aaron earlier, like it's a Stone's one of those beers where you kind of see it around everywhere. So it's not always my go to. Um, I'm not going to pick it up, not because it's not great. It's I'm not going to pick it up because yeah. there's so many things that I might not get to see again. Right. Right. So it's kind of nice to uh, for you to have picked this because otherwise, uh, I don't know. I, I've been seeing this around like on my local liquor store shelves for weeks, if not months now, yeah. for a while. And I just, there have been other things that I've had to get to. So Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, and I wanted to make something or pick something that was, you know, readily available for you guys there. And I had, to, you know, wasn't quite sure exactly the distribu- distribution, you know, and of your guys' side over there. So I knew it was a solid beer to to pick because of being stone and and I and it's great so I just kind of I rolled with it. <laughs> have you uh have you paid any attention to the the stone uh lawsuit going back and forth between them and Miller Coors? You know, I try not to pay attention to it, but yeah, I've <laughs> I've, I've heard I've heard some stuff here and there on some different shows, so yeah, I read an article or two about it, and I think – I don't know what your thoughts are about it, but I, I think when I read the – I was – I basically was like, well, I think Stone should probably defend their trademark. Uh, it seems like it I is see. a little shady what Keystone is doing. As a moderately uh, uh, illiterate, silly human being, uh, might I ask what exactly this lawsuit is about? Miller Coors started turning – they put Keystone on their beers, but they put Key really small and Stone really big. Oh, yep. like Keystone, like the it, shitty. Yes, the cube beer. Yeah, the okay. shit beer. Right. Okay. You know they're they're playing off the Stone name, and I think they're trying to market that a little bit, and I think that's why they're they're upset about it. Yeah, but the, and the, rightfully so. Those yeah. poor sons of bitches that buy <laughs> Keystone thinking it's a Stone beer. 
<laughs> well, and that's that, yeah. The internet was like, no one is buying Keystone Light thinking that it's a stone <laughs> beer. But and, and I was kind of like in the middle when I officially read the stuff. I'm like, you know, you have to protect your trademark. That's a legal thing. If someone's infringing on it and you don't protect it, then it weakens it. So I'm completely behind them in that regard. But like yeah. they did kind of that like YouTube video where they're like emotionally pulling to how they're taking down the quality of the beer and they're ruining that name. And I, I, I didn't go for that as much. But then I basically hopped on the stone train when I saw the Miller Coors response because Miller Coors is countersuing them oh, and suggesting boy. that they actually use stone before stone brewing came about. And that they're the ones oh, infringing on the trademark. So, you know, it's like, oh, okay, big beer, back up. <laughs> so, I, I mean, there, there is a part of me that kind of just wants uh, Stone to win out because, fuck, you know, like, I, I want to see the little dude win. Although, like, Stone's right. not, not small. little. Like, Stone is a not craft small, no. brewery. Like, they, they make uh, serious quantities of beer, but not on, yep. not on big beer scale. Sure. No, definitely not. So you, you've been brewing for quite a while now. We're going to jump into talking about the upcoming one-barrel system and then a little bit about the half-barrel system you were brewing on before. But you've been brewing for a while. You have Jake's Brew House. You share a lot of stuff on your Instagram and Facebook pages. How long were you brewing before it went from you know the hobby and the other people that brew with me or whatever to uh, this is Jake's Brew House and this is, this is something bigger? It probably took a year or so. Okay. You know, when I first started brewing, I always wanted to brew, and I, I was in I was in the beer long before I started brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just kind of one of those things where, to tell you the truth, I I had a, a friend that was brewing at the time, and he and he knew how much, you know, I enjoyed beer, and I used, we used me and my wife go to breweries all the time. He's like, man, mm-hmm. you know, if if you like, he knew I loved to cook, you know, and 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 that's one of the things I've always loved to do is cook food. So, it just kind of fell natural to me. You know, once I did that first batch, I was mm-hmm. completely one hundred percent addicted to brewing beer and it wasn't so it wasn't so much you know oh i can brew free beer and drink it and get drunk it was it was about the creativity that you can do with it and that's kind of right up my alley with with that type of a thing especially with cooking food and and doing beer so i'd say i brewed about a year before um i was like you know what i love doing this i'm just gonna promote myself as a home brewer and that's all i was doing um just to kind of get other people following the page and 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 liking, you know, liking home brewing and trying to get some friends involved in it too. So, yeah, right. um, that's kind of how that, that's kind of how it started with just, you know, for people to follow the journey, I guess. That, uh, um, do you, do you still ever brew with that guy that you brewed with the first time? Yeah. You know, yeah, I do. Okay. He's the only, about the only other one I brew with. It's, it's not that I don't like brewing with other people mm-hmm. and I, and I like doing group events. It's just, and when it's brew day for me, it's brew day. Like right. there's no messing around. Like I get the business, I get my stuff going. Um, I don't like to be rushed or interrupted, I guess. Sure, uh, yeah. I kind of just do my thing. It's like my outlet. So I do like enjoy doing it with other people. It's just when I'm seriously ready to brew a beer and get that recipe nailed down, it's, yeah. it's what I do. It's, it's kind of my thing, you know, but, uh, yeah, my buddy Dustin, you know, he still brews. Um, we're actually driving down to Portland and going to the homebrew conference here. We're going to leave oh, Wednesday. Nice. So that's super exciting. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's pretty cool. You should we actually, uh, uh, shout out to Brian Haslip. I feel like we have to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our third episode, uh, is Brian Haslip. Who's giving a talk on smoked hops there at homebrew con. Oh, nice. Right he's on. He's a really cool guy. I would recommend checking it out. It's a really interesting thing that he's doing. But what I was kind of wondering is, should we come up with a, a, like a word for that guy? 
Or it doesn't have to be a guy. Come on. That person who... Got you into brewing? Yeah, got you into brewing. Because, oh. like, I have that guy, and that guy lives in on the East Coast now, so I don't see him anymore. Yeah. And I... Well, yeah, no. He, he's a co-worker of mine. Okay. Um, it's funny. I actually have never brewed with him. Okay. The, the guy <laughs> that got me into it was a co-worker of mine, and he's like, you need... He's the one that brewed, and he's like... He, you got to try it. He goes, you got to just go by. I'll tell you how to get the stuff. I started out, you know, extract, of course. Mm, sure. So I never actually brewed with him. He just kind of gave me the final kick in the butt to get, to go buy the stuff to do yeah. it, you know. Um, my buddy Dustin, though, he came shortly after I was brewing and we, we still brew together. So okay. he's, he's my closest brewer friend. Like your, uh, your beer roo or your beer sensei or there's got to be a good word you're your brew ambassador i don't, I don't Damn. know where i learned i learned i tell you what dude it it was myself mm-hmm. it was trial and error and it was a lot of lot of the brewing network okay okay nice and that's what it was and and i learned a lot just listening for hours and hours and hours at work just to get my head you know my feet wet and yeah that's where I learned a lot of the basic stuff to what to look for, what the, you know, and that's where it kind of started. Do you have any favorite shows from the Brewing Network? Uh, I'm a huge Jamil fan, obviously. Sure. Um, so I like the Jamil show or Brew Strong, any of those the ones he does with John Palmer. Those are great shows. Mm-hmm. The Session's good. I like the guys at the Session. They're, you know, I can only listen to that show every once in a while. It's just, it's, it's a long show, so. Sure. But I like the shorter versions that Jamil does and, and, uh, and John Palmer and, one of my favorite guys on there is Tasty, and I'm sure you guys <laughs> have heard Tasty McDowell. Mm-hmm. I've met him a couple times, and actually, in fact, you know, Tasty, huh, I was down in, that's his little sticker there on my phone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, Aaron, what was it you were saying? Something about a beer heretic? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you brought up Jamil Zanachev, and I noticed that you were drinking uh, some of his beer recently. I, it's funny because I bought a suitcase, and I, I packed home a ton of heretic beer, a yeah. ton of just beers I couldn't get up here that was distributed, and I had one suitcase just loaded with beer, and it yeah, surprisingly made it home without breaking anything. Nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. I saw you had some Pliny the Elder there as well. Yep, yep. So your most recent system, which you haven't been able to brew on in a little while, is a half-barrel system. How long have you had that system, or how long have you brewed with that system? I've been on that system for about, I'd say, three years or so. Okay, okay. nice. I started brewing extract, and then I went... Sure. After yeah. about a couple months of that, I jumped right into brewing the bag. Sure, mm-hmm. that's where we're at right now. Yep, and I did brew in the bag for probably another five, six months, and then I uh, jumped to a three tier system, and I built a three tier system. You can see the photos, you know, those photos of all the different systems I've used on there. Yeah, absolutely. And I brewed on that one for about a year, and I loved it. And then being an electrician, I couldn't stop there, so <laughs> I, you know, designed that brew panel and built the the fifty amp brew panel. Nice. And then just kind of built the system as I went. And it took me about – it was about a six-month build. So it took me about six months to build that system. And, and, and then I brewed on – I've been brewing on that one ever since. Is that your first – that was your first jump into electric brewing? It is, yep. So when you go to build the one-barrel system, uh, you said you're going to put that together yourself? You're not going to buy like a turnkey deal? Nope. I'm going to do it myself. Who, uh, who's your go-to? Like what are your what, – what do you have your eye on in terms of the products? As far as – is what like like parts wise or just kind of yeah like set up like do you have uh, brew kettles that you think are better than others or you know I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this weekend when I go down to BrewCon I'll be able to look at a lot of new stuff down there and that's kind of my what my trip is about is I'm gonna look at a lot of equipment because I know mm. I'm gonna be spending 
spend some time building stuff here shortly. So I do know I want, you know, I want a one barrel system. Sure. I want probably 45 gallons to 50 gallons. So I have some extra room and I'm going to do a basic, I'm going to use my brew panel and I'm going to modify it a little bit so I can run both 50 amp elements at once so I can get okay. a faster boil. Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to do a couple tweaks to the brew panel, but I'm going to keep my, my brew panel I built and just kind of modify some of the stuff I have uh, to work, to work with the one barrel. How many tanks do you plan on having in the one barrel system? I'm gonna do I'm gonna do probably three tanks. I'm gonna get I'm gonna buy three uni tanks so I okay, can use nice. them for fermentation and carbonation. Right, and to to get them all nice and clear. Unless you unless, you, them don't, out, unless yep. you don't want them clear. <laughs> that's, so that's all the rage. What do you what, what beer are you shooting for? Yeah, uh, when you're looking at like scaling up your recipes, like have you already thought that through? You know, I've done a couple scale-up recipes of mine from okay. um, another one barrel system that a buddy owns, and and he he has a stout he has a stout turnkey turnkey system. Okay. So I've brewed a couple on his from my recipes, and there's a little bit of tweaks that are going to be that had to be made. Okay. Um, not so much in the malt bill, but mostly hop utilization. Yeah. So it's mostly just the hops. The malt's not too bad to, to convert over, um, but it's just trying to nail down the IBUs and the hops and what you're kind of going for. Because the bigger the bigger you get, um, less hops you actually use in a, in a in a batch. So like, and this is I'm I I assume Aaron, you looked at me like, how could you ever be surprised by that? But that surprises <laughs> me. Like, so the more liquid you have, the less hops you're using. You know how I understand it is. It, it's the utilization of the yeah. hop oil is different in a bigger batch than a smaller batch. I guess it's more concentration wise. So you can get a little more IBU out of a bigger batch with the same amount of hops than a smaller batch with the same amount of hops. So the conversion's not just a straight. Right. I mean, I'm sure you guys, you guys know it's not just a straight conversion over. You gotta you gotta find the balance there. Right. It's, like uh, people have always said, like you have to work to get the conversion just right. Or people, when they win competitions yeah. and they get to brew on bigger systems, the brewers yeah. come in and yeah, they adjust things. I was never really sure what it was they were adjusting because sugar is sugar, right? Right. That makes so much sense. I had no idea. I mean, it's yeah. I guess we'll find out once I get the one barrel and actually start right. get my recipes back out and blowing the dust off them and and you know getting it nailed down, but. I don't expect it to be too difficult at all. There's a lot of software out there that can help you do it too. Um, okay. So you kind of just kind of count on that as like maybe a benchmark is sure. doing the software tra- you know, conversion and, and kind of just going from there. And then brew to learn. Brew to learn. So what brewing software do you use? Uh, I use Beersmith. So when you go to the one barrel system, are you putting the hop utilization above 100% at one barrel? I did it for the first two I did on the buddies and it turned out... Nerds! <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't turn out as as good as i wanted it to right you know i don't know exactly i don't know i don't have an answer for that quite yet but once you know i think it's more just kind of a use the software as a benchmark you know and kind of just go from there yeah when i think it's really it's helped us uh dial in our recipes more than anything so the we we always have an expectation and that expectation with each beer tends to be a lot better given that we're using beersmith right I've used it from the start because Brad Smith's Oh my god, podcast. hang on a second. Is it not called Beersmith because it's like a smithy who makes things, but you're making beer? Is it called Beersmith because his last name is Smith? That is 100% correct. Yeah. God fucking damn it. <laughs> so <laughs> Brad Smith's podcast was my brewing network in terms of how I gained information. 
So yeah. I, I've used Beersmith because of that. I don't know if I'm going to Beersmith 3. He has the new subscription model coming up. Oh, I'm putting him on a list now of people who can't <laughs> name things. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, um, Brad was another guy I listened to, you know, hardcore, just like, like I did with uh, the Bruin Network, um, along with uh, Bruin Basic Radio. Hmm. Another podcast you can learn from. Nice. Any books? Any books you would recommend that you uh, enjoyed? Man, I didn't really get into much of the books, even though I own quite a few of them. <laughs> I bought uh, them all. You know, How to Brew is probably the best one. If you're looking for straight recipe, How to Brew is probably my favorite, you know, coming from Jamil and Palmer. Right. Well, and I, the fourth edition is, is tremendous, and it adds a lot of things that the earlier editions were, were missing, especially addressing, like, brew in a bag, which helps us out. Yep, definitely. You're brewing uh, – before uh, before you're brewing 15 gallons, you're going to be brewing, you know, upwards of 30, 30 gallons at a time now. How often do you do you plan on brewing a batch? Well, yeah, I know. You step it up, now it means i got to drink more beer. Um, <laughs> you know, probably in, the begin- probably in the beginning a lot. I'm going to bust out quite a few and just get, get it down and I'm beginning to lay a lot of beer. So, yeah, it, but that's all right. Cause I, I, you know, especially in the summertime, wintertime, I do events. I'll do a, um, I do a beer pairing every year. Obviously this winter I couldn't do it, but, uh, I do a beer pairing. So I do, you know, I do events like that. I'll make five dishes and then I'll pair a beer to each dish and kind of give, you know, it's, it's a friends and family thing. Yeah. Nice. You know, just, I got a lot of people asking for beer, so I don't have a problem getting rid of beer. <laughs> getting rid sure. of beer, I was going to say. So do you – are you bottling a lot or are you handing out six stools or how does that work? Uh, I keg. So I have a ton of extra kegs. I usually okay. will send five-gallon kegs to people. Nice. You know? And, and if, if someone wants to fill up a growler, they just stop by and just fill up a growler. You know, it's easy as that. I don't typically bottle my beer unless it's for competition and then I'll bottle out of the keg and that's typically how what I do for competitions. But – I won't just uh, bottle up, you know, like 24 beers just to have them. I usually I keg everything. So do you have a good, like, for all the listeners out there who need to have a bunch of kegs, like, where are you getting your kegs? Do you have a good discount keg spot? You know, Craigslist. was. Oh, um, all right. Oh, I, interesting. Craigslist. Yeah, I found a lot of Craigslist. Um, Talking like Pinlock or like Sankey keg? I'll use, I'll use either one. I'm not picky. Okay. You can convert, you know, if you're, if, if you like one or the other, you can convert them anyways. I have half of each, you know, and it doesn't bother me at all to use either one. I have parts for both and whichever ones I can buy, I'll get and, and, uh, I'll re you know, put new gaskets on them, clean them up and, yeah. and use them like that. Nice. So you, uh, you share with us that one of the things you like about brewing is hitting all of your numbers. Can you talk us through like what measurements you're taking on a brew day? You know, first of all, I, I make sure my grain is right on right on par, right where it needs to be, um, the exact amounts. I don't fluctuate. I don't fluctuate. Oh, I got a little bit of this left over. I'm just going to toss in there. I keep my recipes exact to what they are. That way, when I brew it again, I can have, you know, more of, of, of a base mark to know what, you know, there's no not variation. I, I know I have this mountain of grain in this beer. You know, if I brew it and I dump a little extra in, I just make sure my grain's on point. Second thing, the biggest thing is pH. Sure. Um, I make sure my pH is always where it needs to be. And that's kind of one of the biggest things. That's kind of where my brewing really stepped up was, was, you know, making sure your pH is, is, is right there where it needs to be. And the other numbers I usually, uh, hops I can, hops I'm not too carried away with. Mm. Um, if I'm trying to do like an experimental beer, then I'll make sure I'm putting the right amount of ounces in that I need to so I can adjust for the next time I brew that beer. But hops usually I get a little creative with. Okay. Um, but mostly it's it's pH, it's water adjustments. 
I make sure, you know, my water profile is what it needs to be for the beer and brew and either dark, light, hoppy, uh, lager, depending on what beer. That's that's probably one of the things I'm going to have to relearn is water because I got a, uh, a well now. So my okay. water is a little bit different than getting it from the city where okay. I was getting it from. Yeah. So it's going to be a little bit of adjustment there. What do you what are you planning on doing? Are you going to run it through like a uh, we've heard people running it through like RV hose filters? What's your plan? So when I built my house, well, when building the house, I built a pump mm. house. And okay. so basically inside the pump house, I have five whole house filters. They're 24 inches long, five inches wide. Okay. The first one's the first one's a sediment filter. My water already is is really soft. Okay. Um, oh, that's nice. My on well, well water? My for, yeah. For being a well water, it's, it's very soft. It's 450 feet deep. Nice. Um, it's alkaline water at 9, 9.0 pH. So you're going to have to get it down. Um, yep, Exactly. So, I mean, as far as what's in it, it's it's mild. There's not very many metals. I don't have to filter too much out of it. There's no chlorine. There's no fluoride. Yeah. None of that stuff. So, basically, I'm just I'm filtering the sediment, and I got to and I got to drive that pH down. Okay. So, are, are you using like a, a uh, you plan to use a calculator to to make those adjustments, or are you measuring your mash pH and adjusting on the fly, or both? Yeah, basically, when I was at my old house, once a month, I get a water report. I'd send it into Ward Labs, and they'd send me back and after doing it about six months, the city water fluctuated like almost nothing okay, every time. Okay. So I quit doing it. It was pretty much the same. So I just had the same. I just had the same profile. And then what I would do is I I, I added into my software here. Mm. I'll show. I'll tell you what software I use. It's it's really nice. There's just water it, software. It, uh, yeah, there is. There is my friend. Oh, God. <laughs> I was thinking uh, while you're looking that up, I was thinking about this this weird story. Well, not a weird story, but uh, the th- when you were talking about the recipes that you were making, where so I had this girlfriend way back in like college, and her dad had a country club membership, and every once in a while when we were up visiting, he's like, "Hey, let's go to the country club," and I'm like, "I'm not really a country club guy. I'm more of a like piss on a tree and burn things kind of guy, right?" But yeah, 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 yeah. I remember there was this guy, he was the dude that uh, ran the locker room. And her dad, we were in the locker room, he's like, we're going to go hit golf balls and stuff. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> but the her dad was talking to him about how he had just done a big barbecue thing, right, at the country club. And he was like, man, everything you made was so good. How did you do it? And the old guy said something to the effect of like, well, you know the thing is, I don't. What I don't cook is amazing food. I cook consistency. Right, and that's yeah. Uh, consistency is key. Yeah, like no one, no one. If it, if it's amazing, that's great. But if it's the same every time, and I know what I'm going to get, that's 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 magic. Yeah, for sure. And and to tell you the truth, if you can brew the same beer over and over and over again, regardless of it being the best beer you've ever brewed right. or the best tasting beer or what you think is. But if you can know that beer every time, that's enough to tell you right there, you know what you're doing because it's, it's hard on a scale like you and I brew yeah. to get those the same every time. That's, yeah. it's, it's hard to do. So do you have, do you have a recipe that is uh, your kind of bread and butter where you feel like you can just get the same product every time? I do. I have a couple IPA recipes um, that I've brewed a lot of times and, and it comes out very, very close each time. Sweet. Okay. You are, you're not you guys, talking about guys, that uh, goal. You want that recipe? <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, throw it up in the shows if you give it to us, the, the show notes. No, I, I'll, I can show you guys the recipe. I don't have a problem doing any of that. Okay. Is this the, is this the, uh, the gold medal winning recipe, the, the blue ribbon? It sure is. 
Yeah. Uh, yep, yep, it is. So let's talk about recipe creation for just a minute, because you you brew so much beer, which means you're sharing beer a lot, which means you're probably taking requests for beer. I'm, I'm maybe assuming. Is, is there? Yeah, I am. A different way that you are approaching the recipe creation when it's like, hey, this is just the beer that Jake wants to drink, and I'm gonna make me a beer, and it's gonna be so good. Or uh, my friend wants me to make a Vienna Lager, and so I'm gonna do that. Yes. Like, I, I, does it look the same or different? Or no, I do. I do both. I'll I'll brew beer. You know, I'll come up with, You know, I'll be dreaming when I'm sleeping. And I wake up and I got. You know, I'm just joking. But uh, um, I kind of it's the creativity. I kind of just visualize it and mm. and kind of look at the malt. I don't know. It's hard to explain how I put together my recipes. I just kind of I drink a beer and if I like it, I try to pick out what's in it and what characters I like and and try to apply that to a new recipe and see if it turns out what I thought it was. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't. It does. Um, but I do have a lot of people coming to me. Hey, can you can you brew me a IPA that's really piney? You know, maybe someone that's not so craft beerish, but they like beer, and they're like, we want a beer that's you know light, but we like that pininess. And yeah. like, oh, perfect! I can I can create that for you, or I, I can brew a beer for you that's going to be piney. I get a lot of people that you know want double IPA, triple IPAs, and stuff like that. And, mm. And I don't mind brewing those type of beers. I like brewing them. They're pretty simple beers to brew, to tell you the truth, as right. far as malt bill and stuff like that. It's just basically hop profile, and and people are really looking for like this beer. They they advertise it being juicy. You know, right now it's a huge thing where yeah. people want these juicy beers. So those are pretty. You know, I get a lot of requests for that type of stuff. Have you gone into the haze land? Have you, <laughs> have you produced any any New uh, England yeah, stuff? Yeah, I did. Yep. Yeah. Actually, the hate those hazy beers that won those medals—they're all hazy beers. Okay. Interesting. Nice. Yep. I actually that seems super impressive because that's got to be like a really crowded category. It's very crowded, and I did not expect that at all. I knew I brewed some good beer. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people taste it and drink it, and I've had pro brewers drink it and give feedback. I always. That's one thing I do that's really actually helped me out a lot is is I I'll brew beer and I'll bring it to um, some of the, the pro brewers and I'll mm. I'll sit down with them drink with them they drink it and give me some feedback and and that's helped out a lot but I knew the beer was good because I've had a lot of good feedback I've had I've had pro brewers saying I wish I could brew that beer you know right. nice you get some feedback like that you know and you, I knew I was doing something right with with some of these IPAs yeah so. You know, I wasn't expecting medals, but I was expecting maybe a good turnout, you know, maybe some good marks on my on my score sheet. But, yeah, it just happened to work out that way um, in that category. Yeah, I know a lot of home brewers will reach out to other home brewers for that kind of kind of feedback. So that's really interesting that you have good relations with pro brewers and that might be even like a next level. Right. I'm not a part of a brew club or anything like that. So I don't you know, I mean, I've, I've gone and gone to a couple of them locally here, mm. not trying to beat you know, beat the wagon that I don't like going to those things, but it just seemed like every time I was going to a brew club meeting or, or trying to see what was up, it just seemed like everyone there just kind of wanted, you know, to drink and just get drunk and have a good time, which is cool. Right. But that's, that's I'm fine. There, I want to know how my beer tastes, you know, I want some feedback, whether it's good or bad. I don't want, you know, and I wasn't quite getting that through the clubs. So I kind of had to go down a different alley with giving it to some, you know, some breweries around my local area and trying to get some feedback that way. Yeah. How'd you get, how'd you set that up? How'd you end up meeting up with all these pro brewers? Uh, I just spent a lot of time in breweries, I guess. Um, <laughs> <or> I did. <laughs> hey, are you the guy uh, that's always here? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good. Really good friends with the head brewer at Skookum Brewery. Um, okay. 
they're they're here locally. Um, he's a good friend of mine. I brewed with him on his on his system. They have a 15 barrel system. So I kind of just got around like that. And and after getting my name out there, people a lot of local people started following my page, and they kind of you know even some home, even pro brewers they they follow my page and kind of because we're in the same area. And yeah. I kind of just got going that way, you know, and then started meeting people and just kind of just connecting with people and. That's basically it, really, you know. And I'd ask them, "Hey, do you mind if I bring down some beer for you guys to to try out and give me some feedback?" I, you know, appreciate some feedback, whether it's good or bad. And if it's bad, I want the feedback. Don't yeah. hold it back for me, you know. Right. right. So that's just how that started. We we uh, pretty lucky. I went actually to my first homebrew club meeting uh, like yesterday. And they, it was it's the, only Monday. Oh God! Yeah, it's only Monday. <laughs> um, For listeners at home, I didn't really know what to expect because we've been to a couple like Friday night clubs at the Homebrew Club, and it's pretty laid back and, and relaxed. And uh, we sat down at a table, we took notes. Uh, it was, and it, I think they were focused on preparing for the Brewers Cup, so it was very focused on like you know if this beer's in the keg and it's a little, it's got some off flavors in it, can I fix it before I bottle it and send it to the show or whatever? So it was. It was very, very good feedback, but I think getting it from a pro brewer is probably the next level. Plus, they might then let you try their beers and give them feedback, huh? It, it goes both ways. The two, I mean, the, the two guys I, I really count on for feedback, they they know I can taste beer and drink beer. And, and I've told them, you know, hey, I'm, I've am i had some beer from them. And I'm like, hey, look, there was something going on here, mm. you know. And and they'll be like, they'll taste it. You know, they'll try. They don't take offense to it at all. They're, you know, they're like, oh, you know, what? I think you got something right here. I think you're. You're on to something. There's been a couple occasions where, you know, where that's happened. But I'm not, you know, a professional Cicerone by all means. I just, right. I don't know, I, I, I have, I, I like to think I have a good palate and I like to taste beer and, and kind of can pick out flavors, you know, in, in, a, in a good beer and a bad beer. Mm. Was there any type of like activity that you did or just going to breweries that kind of helped you develop your palate and your beer language? Not really. What I what we did was me and my buddy Dustin, like I was telling you about the, the guy mm-hmm. still brew with every yeah. once in a while. He bought one of the. You can buy one of those kits where you can taste the off flavor. So you mm. buy Coors Light, you buy some type of light beer, and you can you can contaminate your beer with these different, you know, acetaldehyde and all this God, other that stuff. And like you can kind of get awful. an idea. It's. I'm not saying it's perfect. Yeah. Right. But you get. But you get an idea of what type of flavors you're looking for, and we did that early on. So after kind of doing that, it just it gave me, you know, it gave me kind of an idea, us an idea of of what flavors we're kind of looking for there. And I've brewed some bad beers early on. I've had brewers taste it and Hollis be like, "Hey, this this is full of green apple." Right. You yeah. Know? So I'd taste it and be like, "Oh, that's what it tastes like. That's what I'm looking for." Yeah. And so that you know, the feedback helped me that way too. You know, try to you know to to get the off flavors. Yeah, in fact, we just a beer we took yesterday had acetaldehyde in it and had the green apple flavor, but it was really hoppy beer. It was a double IPA. Yeah, and I knew that it tasted too sweet. I knew that it didn't finish, so there was probably something wrong with the le- the yeast. Like it finished up at like one oh two five, and I was really looking for like one oh one six. Yeah, there were two other beers there. Luckily, that were they were like Kolsch's or Cream Ales that had acetaldehyde in them too. So we got to taste that first. And then as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what that is. It's not just sweetness. Yeah. It's green apple sweetness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of like – once you know what that flavor is, yeah. you start picking it up in different types of beers. you know. And and that's kind of just how I learn you know, flavor-wise is, is kind of just doing that, doing that exact thing you just said. 
Like, I kind of like the idea of doing one of these kits, but it's also like, you don't actually have to burn yourself, but you could also just transplant burnt skin on your arm to feel what it feels like. Yeah. Like, you're you're <laughs> right. not really punishing yourself because you're not making a bad beer, but you also are drinking bad beer. I think, Aaron, you want to do that oh, sometime? Oh, yeah, sure. Tra- uh, well, put I, bur- hey, burnt I, skin on my... I want to say that I'd do it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I think now that Jason has recommended me getting a burnt skin graph, I think it's really time for my favorite moment of the show, which is the Jason's off the wall question. Oh, it's his favorite thing. Times were had by all. Okay, so hmm, you are a unicorn in a forest made out of gumdrops, right? And your name is Daniel. The unicorn. And you're flying because you're a flying unicorn, but not a winged unicorn because that's a pegasus. That's an entirely different thing. But you are flying, right? And you look down below you and there is uh, a princess being uh, kidnapped by a dragon. And she screams for help, but you fly on. Because you ain't got no time for that. You're on your way to the the magic land of the cream, the la- the magic land of the cream, and you are so excited about the cream that you uh, horse dump. Uh, what does it land on? Oh man, I horse dump, and I'd hate to say this, but. Uh... <laughs> It's probably landing on the princess that's getting <laughs> taken by the dragon. That is the correct answer. I mean, <laughs> why, why, why didn't you hit the dragon? Like, no, because fuck that princess. The fucking woman yeah, exactly. just getting stolen by goddamn dragons. It's fucking 2018. Defend yourself. You think Beyonce is getting stolen by a goddamn dragon? Well, hey, she's probably down there eating gumdrops, you know, and one thing led to another, and, and it happened. I assume that I assume that it uh, I assume that that question ended in a horse dump because I pulled that one straight out of your ass, straight yeah. out of my ass. <laughs> So your system, he, I think I've assumed that our listeners have looked at your Instagram page and seen your system, which is a uh, problem on my end. So can you help our listeners out and just give like a, you know, like a 35 second rundown of like what equipment you were brewing on before you moved out of the, your previous house? Man, it's, it's all in storage right now. And it's, a, I don't like that. But, uh, Sadness. <laughs> yeah. So basically what I did here is I made a uh, 50 amp system and I chose mm-hmm. 50 amp instead of 30 so I could power up two 50 amp elements at once. Okay. That way, when I'm boiling my bottle kettle, I can still heat up clean water in the hot liquor tank. So basically, the rundown, it's uh, three 16-gallon kettles. Sweet. I use all my, everything is silver soldered that I did myself, all the, all the uh, fittings, silver soldered, which I like silver soldering. I, I, a lot of people had some bad things to say about it, and I think it's mostly that they couldn't figure out how to do it correctly. But it took me a few tries to, to, to silver solder correctly. But uh, it's as it's as good as a weld, I think, for brewing at least. Sure. Um, so I, I have uh, two pumps. Obviously, it's a traditional um, style system where it pumps through a Herms coil, recirculates the mash tun. The old Herms coil. Herms coil. The, other, the other pump is basically for transferring out of the boil kettle into fermenters. I have 
as far as fermenters, I have two SS Brewtech uh, 14 gallon fermenters. I have four brew buckets. Okay. Um, SS brew buckets, and I have a couple. I have a couple plastic ones, but I don't like using them. I just started getting really anal about using plastic anymore <laughs> as far as fermentation-wise. You have the glycol system on the conicals, right? Yes, yes. I built the I built the homemade glycol chiller. You can actually see it on the, the site there. It's made out of an AC unit. It works really well. It pumps glycol through just like any other glycol chiller would. It's not the prettiest thing, but it works for now. I, I'm going to be upgrading that to an actual glycol chiller here with the one barrels, but... It is much prettier than my plastic bucket. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Don't you dare, you dare hey, you talk about that. Plastic buckets, man. Come on. I brewed some good beers out of plastic buckets. Well, I have glass. I have glass carboys now. But your homemade glycol chiller is far prettier than any glycol chiller I have ever owned. Well, yeah. I mean, for, I think I only spent maybe. I think I have seventy-five bucks into it, so it's not wasn't too bad of a build. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of the stuff I had there, and I, and I got the AC unit from a buddy. He used it a couple of years, and then they end up getting a heat pump for their house, so they didn't need the the window one any any longer. So, yeah, that it works out really well. I just use it to. I think it's a 15 gallon cooler that holds the glycol, and it just I have a I have a pump inside there, and and it pumps the glycol inside of the cooler so it doesn't freeze because it will freeze with the 50 50 mixture if you let it go too long. All right. And uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. I have a. Um, for a grain mill, I have a cereal killer. Um, it's, an, it's, a, it's a more beer product. Pretty All sure right. it's more beer. It's the best name um, for a grain mill. It's a, it's a good name for a grain yeah, mill. Yeah, it, it is quite slick. Yeah. <laughs> it works really good. What else What else do I got? I mean, do you want to I can really I can really get deep into, into parts on the on the system, but um, it's basically pretty basic 50 amp system as far as how it operates and and elements and stuff like that. I mean, I think that's pretty sweet for now. I think I, I think listeners should definitely check out your Instagram and Facebook pages because there's lots of fun, inspiring pictures. Hey, Aaron, are looking yes, Jason. <laughs> What's the Instagram? <laughs> the Instagram is uh, at Jake's Beer House, right? Or the Brew House. Jake's Beer House. Oh, yeah, Jake, Jake, yeah, Jake's Brew House. At Jake's Brew House is the Instagram, and then it's face. It's Facebook is just Facebook.com/slash Jake's Beer House. Damn it! Exactly. <laughs> Jake's Brew House. Hold on, one more time. <laughs> Everything is Jake's Brew House. Yeah, it's on Facebook can, and Instagram. Can you read that? Look at I that. can. Yeah. That's like a uh, an embossed, maybe embossed. It's a screen printed, but it's like in reverse. It's like a metal. It is. It's the nicest. It's the nicest homebrew brand growler <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Oh. So nice. who did did who did your logo? Um, I did actually. Sweet. I designed nice. it online. I had T-shirts made. Um, for everyone that came to the beer pairing, I usually give out T-shirt and hats. You know, nice. so I made a bunch of T-shirt and hats, and and my brother actually made me this for Christmas one year. It's, it's the growler that's embossed, but nice. Um, basically, I'll instead of like charging people mm. to brew beer, which I can't do, right? I'll I'll do T-shirts and hats, and it's a donation thing where they donate some money for the food and 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 the product, and they get a T-shirt and hat. Sweet. I like that. I like that model. That's a good model. Uh, I think that's really solid. And I think especially as much beer as it sounds like you you donate, I think that's uh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, certainly a fair a fair response there. I love doing it, so I don't you know I, I don't mind donating donating all that beer. So yeah, especially if people are like, oh yeah, no problem. Make me a triple IPA. Yes, it will cost all the money. You you'll pay <laughs> yeah. for all the grain and all the hops. The it's gonna be on in dudes is I'm brewing beer and it's like all my taps are full and. 
I just brewed a good beer, but it's like, I got to change it. I got to do something different, Yeah. but I can't the beer because I don't have the capacity right now. You know, it's like, yeah, I got to get rid of the, I got so I can brew another beer. And so when you, when you scale up to the one barrel brew house, that's a good point in terms of like your tap coverage. Like right now you have six tap handles. What are you planning yep. for the one barrel area? <sighs> that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> what do what do you yeah. and your wife plan? Actually, this segues really nicely into our listener question. I usually wait to save it till the end, but I'm going to go with it right now. So I right, cool. I I posted on Twitter that uh, our guest today was going to have a one barrel system. So I was looking for some some questions from the Twitterverse. So we have a question from Sten Peterson at StenPet, uh, and he says, "How do you make a brewing system with the highest WAF?" Uh, and here, WAF. W A F. W A F is, uh, of course, wife acceptance factor. He's presuming that your wife the would not be okay wife. with him. Yeah, wife acceptance factor. Oh, like, factor. like he wants to know how, how my how my wife thinks about it. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. She loves it. You know, I'll tell you the truth. She 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 likes that I have an outlet, and she likes yeah. that I have a passion for brewing beer. So she's she takes along everywhere we go. She likes beer, and and she drinks beer, and drinks my beer, and she likes doing it. So. I'm lucky on that part where, you know, she don't mind spending the money on it, you know, because it takes it. It is it is a nice chunk of money you're, you're putting down for sure. equipment and right. and stuff and, 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 and ingredients and stuff like that. You know, she she enjoys it and I and she knows how much I enjoy it. And, I you know, and she she's totally cool with it. So does she have control over any of the six tap handles? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get requests from her from time to time. And. And I brew whatever she wants me to brew. <laughs> there you go. That's, that <laughs> seems that's slightly different than Aaron getting requests from time to time and then brewing something that is, while delightful, not exactly. I have a really hard time <laughs> brewing beer that I don't want to drink. Uh, so yeah. I, my my wife wanted a, a wheat beer, so I was like, "Well, let me make a Dunkelweiss because I think I could probably stomach that." And then it was <laughs> yes. And then she hated it, so it was just for me. Sorry, Kelly. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. Hey, Kelly, come to Washington. I'll brew you a wheat beer. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to do that. I, I wanted to point out that one of the people on the internet, one of our former guests, responded to the Twitter question, and he said that he controls the wife acceptance factor by drinking a bunch of beer and not caring about it. I don't think that. I don't. I don't think that's a good plan. I'm assuming this was either uh, either Danny or Tim. It was uh, Tim McEwen, I believe, was the uh, at Bedford Tim on Twitter. Hi guys. Also, eat shit, guys. But I miss you and I love you. But also, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Why, Jason? Well, hey, if you, <laughs> no, if you can't execute Plan A, if you can't execute Plan A. You got to go to plan B, and I guess that's plan B. That's, yeah. that's plan B. So you said it was a loaded question with, with the tap handles. I think that's that, – yeah. I mean you, got a, you have a so, 14 by 32 space. How, yeah. how much of that – are you planning on doing like a cooler room, uh, like a cool bot with some taps yes. through the wall? Yes. Or? Yep. Yeah, exactly. So what I mean loaded question is, is I don't quite know exactly what I'm going to build yet, but I do know what I'm going to build. I'm going to build a cooler room. Okay, sweet. And it's going to be a walk-in so I can go in and out. I can you know put – kegs in there and i can store ingredients and stuff like that yeah so i mean the idea is probably to build a cooler room and i kind of have an area for it where i kind of want it and it's going to be attached to where the bar the bar is going to be and it'll probably you know i I know i have six now so you can probably double or quadruple the amount of taps i'm going to have so i'll probably have somewhere between 12 and 20 um taps just to have them there in case i run into the issues that i run into is which is brew beer i can't get rid of it which I can't drink it myself, and I want to brew the next day type of thing. Right. So that's kind of the idea for, for the beer. 
I, I would love to serve. I would love to have enough money to buy enough unitanks to serve out of the unitanks. Right. Um, instead of, instead of actually kegging, uh, I, I, you know, I'd love to do that, but it's pretty unrealistic at this point to buy, you know, sure. 10, 15 unitanks at almost a thousand bucks a piece. You I know? was going to say those things. Are, I was looking on the internet the other day at a turnkey Al Gore's internet, a turnkey one barrel system for the SS Brutic, I guess is releasing one in July. Uh, Come on, <laughs> come on, Jason. Sorry, uh, but it's it's fifteen gr- it's f- fifteen grand for that bad boy. So hopefully you'll be able to come in under that because you're gonna make your own. Yeah, that's a nice system. I, I would I'd be lying if I said if I didn't have an extra fifteen grand just to throw down, I probably would buy one. Yeah, um, no, I yeah, me, you and me both. <laughs> I like their I like their product. I've used their product for a long time, and you know it's a nice kind of setup that they have there. That that's a nice one barrel setup. It's it's contained in its own little you know, skid and, and, and it's just, it's a nice, nice little system. So I, I probably won't be spending quite 15 on mine, mm. uh, for sure. Cause right. if I was spending 15 on mine, I'd probably just buy theirs. Yeah. Right. Um, they have like fancy but, uh, engineers, whole company behind it, everything like that. Yeah. They, they, they're supposedly coming out with some new electric brewing stuff here. So at the home brewers conference, they're going to have a whole new line of uh, homebrew electric brewing stuff, not just pilot one, one barrel electric brewing, but they're going to have a whole new line of home brewing. So I'm kind of curious to see, you know, kind of what they come out with, and, yeah. and maybe maybe I'll end up with some of their product that, in that way. Now you have that space; it's fourteen by thirty-four. You're going to do a cooler room, maybe twelve to twenty taps. Yep. Is that is that the capacity you think of that space, or would you at some point in the future think of like if you could get a license? I don't know if, what the laws are. If you could like get a license for your property since you have all that land, could you do a two or three yep. barrel system out of there? I know I can do it out of my, in the state of Washington. We, I can brew out of my house. Um, right. That's not the problem. The problem is a tap room at your, at your house. Right. You can brew beer and you can distribute beer and you can have people come and fill up growlers, but you can't have a standing tap room. Okay. You know, I guess if it, if it came to that point where I needed a tap room or I needed something larger, I think I'd be diving in 100%, and, and and probably at that point you'd be probably renting out a space and, and doing a doing an actual brew build out. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It'd be amazing. You would be one of the luckiest brewers in the world because you'd have your public space, and then you wouldn't have to go to work to do your pilot brews. <laughs> no, yeah, it would Come be nice. <laughs> no, you know, I'm trying not to. I love, you know, yeah, it's a dream. It, I mean, it, it'd be cool, but I'm trying to just. Take it, you know, day by day, and and enjoy being a homebrewer because that's that's kind of what it boils down to, and that's how I've gotten where I've gotten is being a, a homebrewer, you know. And I haven't got no schooling, and I haven't gone to any of the the schools like a lot of the homebrewers or uh, probers have, but yeah. I have my own little way of you know learning and 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 doing it. So it's, so far, it's been working out pretty well. Yeah. What's the what's the first beer? Oh, yeah. You know, the first beer is probably going to be the gold winning IPA just because I've nailed it down and I'm going to be using the half barrel system still once again you know, yeah. until I get the one barrel uh, built. So I'll probably I'll probably brew some IPAs and, and and I'll probably do the gold, the gold winner first just because it deserves it being a gold. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm I'm one of those. Bre- I like to brew anything, man. So I'm, I like all different categories and I like trying different. So, I mean, it's just kind of up in the air of of what I'm going to start brewing. It's, it depends on the time of year, you know, if I need to brew for the beer pairing, it, I usually do a certain styles of beers. Mm-hmm. You know, I do German beers one year than I did last, not just last winter, but the winter before I did American style beer. And so I kind of just switch it up depending on 
on what's going, you know, what time of year and what's going on. But so I, I think one of my least favorite questions that people ask home brewers or brewers of any kind is like, well, what's your go-to beer? Because I feel like there's just <laughs> like, what am I doing? And then I'll tell you what I want to drink. What do you drink when you brew? I don't drink when I brew. Ah, there it is. What do you drink when you're done brewing? <laughs> uh, you know, anymore I like IPA. I mean, I've always loved IPAs. Yeah. I'll go to an IPA or a pale. Sure. I, I Schwartz beer is probably my favorite beer. To tell you the truth. Okay. okay. Nice. So if it's it's Schwartz beer is one of my favorite beers because I can sit there and drink it all night and not feel like poop the next day. You know. And, <laughs> and, and if you and if you execute if you execute it right, you you know you can drink pints and pints of it. Um, yeah. and it's a great lager. Yeah. I mean, my go-to beer probably after a long hard brew day is probably more on the lighter scale of beer. So it'd be going to probably a pale or some type of lager, lower ABV style beer, not, not like a triple IPA, but, yeah. right. um, uh, if I'm out with, you know, if I'm out with friends and we're going to breweries, it's definitely, you know, getting the flights of IPAs and trying all the IPAs that, that they have just to see the different variations. That one, well, that's an interesting thing where like, I feel I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, hops really took off. Maybe my timeline's off. I don't know. I'm old now. But like 10 years ago, hops were all over the place. Everyone's drinking like uh, the 90 minute, the 120 minute, like all these crazy hop beers, right? And then it kind of fell off. And that's sad for me because like a nice pale ale is just beautiful. It is. It is. And, you know, I I feel you because like lately it's it's such – it, it's all about the haze craze, you know, and I'm, you know, and, and it's fine with me. There's a lot of people that don't like it. There's a lot of people that love it. Yeah. I'm it's beer. It's if it's a beer I can create and it can be done well and taste good. I don't care if it's clear or hazy. Right. If it's right. a good, you know, if, if I'm shooting for a clear beer, then a lager of some sort, or even a real crystal clear West coast IPA or pale, mm. then that's what I expect out of the beer. But I love IPA, hazy IPAs just as much as I like the clear IPAs. So it just depends on what you want to drink. I think I've heard some brewers on some different podcasts that I listen to kind of get upset about the haze craze. They do. And they think, well, you know, now this beer that I'm making, this West Coast IPA, it's no longer desirable. It's no longer valuable. It's hurting my bottom line. But I feel like, you know, I don't have the pressure of turning over beer in my fermenters and having people buy my beer out. So Maybe it's easy for me to sit at home and say, but I feel like this is bringing people into the industry that weren't here before. Like there are yeah. some West Coast IPA drinkers that are like, "Oh, I'm going to have this hazy thing now." But there's also people who didn't drink IPAs or drink craft yeah. beer at all who are now into the thing. And I think you know maybe that's the better way. Is how, how do we get that <laughs> haze beer drinker into the West Coast IPA? Can we get, can we go backwards with that? I think you can. I think you can because the West Coast IPA is a totally different beast than a hazy mm-hmm. New England style or East Coast IPA. So, you know, it's a good segue into beer because a New England style beer doesn't have the bitterness that most beginner palates can handle, to tell you the truth. They, right. they drink an IP, a West Coast IPA or something and it's super bitter. And I don't think they can handle that, but I think they can handle the fruitiness you're getting out of the late hopping of all those you know, juicy IPAs. And I think that's a good way to get your palate started with that flavor profile. And you could probably move in a better direction, not better direction, but you could probably move into the direction of a, of a uh, Northwest IPA because your palate's direction. maybe a little more, <laughs> a little more better. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that's, you know, hopefully some of those brewers will take that that direction, that direction with it. So uh, as we start to wrap up, I, I, I think, you know, for me, I feel like 
during this interview. I just really want to talk to you more about your system because I think it's amazing and fun. And we're brewing yeah. a bag. We're doing two and a half gallon batches. So it's cool to see someone who's really has that investment into it and has kind of taken their home brewing to the next level. Mm. What would you say to someone who was just starting brewing and said, you know, I, I'd like to be where you're at someday. What advice would you give them? Man, I'd, I'd say just keep keep going. You know, um, you're going to brew bad beer. Everyone does. Right. And a lot of people will brew a couple batches and be like, oh, this is the worst stuff I've ever drank. Well, it is, but, <laughs> you know, if, <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, yeah, it, I know okay, 100% it, it what you mean. You've ever drank, this does in fact smell like shit. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged from the product. You know, if you want to talk about how, you know, taking to the next step, like as far as doing uh, um, a system like mine, hmm. I'd say, I'd say if you're doing brewing the bag, that's a great way to get you going in the all, all grain direction. That's exactly the same steps I took. And right. it got me understanding malt. It got me understanding conversion. It got me understanding what is going on as far as, you know, extracting sugars and in, in, in the way of all grain. Yeah. I mean, you could probably just go step. I mean, the only difference between you're going to have is, is, is figuring out is how to operate the electric equipment. I mean, that's it. I mean, right. if you can, I mean, if you can figure out, how to brew in the bag, you can figure out how to brew on an electric system. It might take you a little bit, you know, just to get used to, to get used to everything. But I just say, don't be discouraged. If it's something you want to do, mm. uh, go for it. Uh, there's a lot, you know, if it's something you love to do, I, I definitely go for it. If it's something you don't, if it's something you're questionable about this or that, you got to think about the money invested, you know, sure. cause you do invest quite a, you know, thousands of dollars in, in equipment and stuff like that. So, but if it's something, you know, you love to do, I, you know, the, you, it shouldn't stop you from from wanting to take the next step. Yeah. What other garbage hobbies are you going to spend all your like? You're going to spend your money on something. So if you love it, do it. It's something you can create, and that's the part I love about it. You know, yeah. I like to I like to make I like to cook food. I like to make dishes. I like to you know I like to brew beer, and it fit it fit right in my category. It fit me really well, and I think that's why I took to it so well. Is because the creativity part of it more or less than the actual beer drinking. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I had, a, I had a friend ask me the other day, he's like, well, you know, will you, will you save money by homebrewing? Like, is it cheaper than buying craft beer? And I'm like, uh... Not really. No. No, not really. <laughs> uh, if you just count the ingredient costs, it might be comparable, but uh, uh, no. You the time especially. Like, if you value your time, which you should, like, come on. Well, and, and if you're asking yourself that question, I think ultimately... It, I w- if you're going to try to brew beer because you want to save money on, on getting drunk... Then, then it's probably not for you, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Although Godspeed, I want to see you try. Well, I think Jason mentioned in former episodes, if that's what you want to do, just get some fruit juice and some cheap yeast and put it in a closet. Bread right. yeast and orange go. juice concentrate. Make yourself some hobo wine. Little little Boone's Farm. Little Mad Dog. You'll be right. just fine. You'll be there good. You go. Yep, yep, some alt liquor. Well, I want to thank you a ton for coming on the show. As we wrap up, I want to let our listeners know that if they want to connect with you or to look at some of the, the system that you have that we talked about, or if they want to follow your One Barrel Brewery build, they can do that on Instagram or Facebook at Jake's Brew House. If you have a question for Jason or me, you can email the show at podcast at platosgravity.com. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and untapped at Plato's Gravity. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend. And if you're in a homebrew club, please consider sharing an episode with your club. If you don't have friends, make friends. Make God, friends. you're so lonely. Please share the show. <laughs> Yep, yep. Don't don't brew don't brew alone like me. Make friends. Make friends, or uh, brew alone and then make friends by sharing your beer. 
right? Yeah. That too. That works. That works really well. In the meantime, build yourself a kick-ass system, brew some beer, and have some fun. <laughs>